Just a quick note before we get started that this podcast will contain discussions of sexual misconduct. Welcome back to another episode of the Hatchet's Weekly News Podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm Alec Rich. Last week, the Hatchet broke the news that three prominent women in the Student Association's executive branch were resigning from their posts, effective immediately. The resignations included those of Vice President for Campus Operations Anna Weber, Vice President for Academic Affairs Liz Gonzalez, and Assistant Vice President for Public Affairs Catherine Oriel. In resignation letters obtained by the Hatchet, Gonzalez and Weber alleged that SA President Howard Brookins had created a, quote, negligent and careless work environment through his conduct and demeanor that limited the progress of the organization. The pair also included the following in their resignation letter. As women, we know it necessary to foster a work environment that is inclusive, empowering, and comfortable. The mission of the Student Association is to put students first, and we best feel that our talents and goals are best suited for somewhere else, end quote. For her part, Oil's resignation email stated in part that, quote, as a woman, I cannot stand by a president who has failed to uplift his duties and empower the women around him, end quote. Since the initial three resignations, the Hatchet has been made aware of several additional resignations from the executive branch, and in total, the Hatchet's learned that there have been at least a dozen SA cabinet departures since December. Then, on Friday, January 22nd, a female student alleged in a series of tweets that President Brookins had touched her without consent and crossed clearly set boundaries on multiple occasions. That news spurred an outpouring of condemnation from the GW community, and as of the recording of this podcast, which is Sunday afternoon, at least a dozen student organizations, three members of the SA's executive branch, and 31 SA senators have called for Brookins' resignation. The SA's executive vice president, Brandon Hill, who had also been privately calling for Brookins to resign before releasing an official statement, also joined the resignation calls by saying, quote, He has defamed the, the office of the president of the Student Association, and his lack of character and professionalism has proven he is not fit to represent the student body, end quote. As of now, it is unclear whether the spur of SA cabinet resignations mentioned earlier are in any way linked to this allegation of sexual misconduct. Now, as the Hatchet reported last night, there are several ways the situation might play out. If President Brookins resigns, Executive Vice President Brandon Hill will have the option to become president, as will be discussed in a moment. If Brookins doesn't resign, he could face an impeachment vote from the Student Association Senate or a censure vote. SA Senator Thomas Falsigno, who is also the Senate's chairperson pro tempore, has also told the Hatchet that he thinks Brookins should resign, but impeachment would be on the table if he does not. He said, quote, I don't know how someone could effectively lead the SA after this. I think all options are on the table, end quote. First up, to discuss some of the grievances student leaders in the executive branch in felt prior to the allegations of sexual misconduct against Brookins, which led to their resignations as noted earlier, I'm joined by the Hatchet's contributing news editor for student government, McKenna Roberts. So has, have you gotten sense that this was a feeling held for a long time then, since you said that, as they noted in their resignation letter, that this was, quote, a negligent and careless work environment? Based on talking to some sources and things like that, the general sense in the community in the um, essays executive branch was that a lot of cabinet members opinions and feedback was not taken um, seriously by um, President Brookins and or just kind of pushed off to the side. Um, based on my reporting, people said that there was kind of an in-group and there was an out-group in the essays executive branch. And a lot of people felt left in the dark and like their opinions and their input wasn't being heard, even though um, people in the cabinet time and time again asked to be included in these conversations, um, but then that wasn't happening and sources said that was extremely frustrating. 
And do we have any sense about what those conversations were about? And was it just policy in general that they just weren't being included in anything that was being done in terms of Howard's agenda? Members of the cabinet, again, were not included in on conversations and they became very frustrated with the fact that President Brookins was not fulfilling vacancies, which is one of the biggest responsibilities for the essays. For the essay president, if they don't do anything else, filling vacancies, and filling vacancies is extremely important. And um, based on my reporting as well, sources talked about how the summertime is one of the most important um, parts and can be one of the most um, hectic times for an essay president to build relationships with administrators, reach out and make connections to students and stuff like that. And none of that was happening over the summer. And so I think cabinet members grew a little bit concerned about that. And then um, when there was a statement or something put out on social media, no cabinet members were necessarily aware of it until it was posted on social media. So they weren't involved in these conversations and that became very frustrating as well. And was there one catalyst that we know of that led to the spur of resignations or was it just the buildup over time, as you said? I think it was the buildup over time. But yeah, all of these members who resigned um, have conveyed, whether it's through statements um, that they've put out, that this is something that they did not want to do. They like working for the essay and they were very passionate about these positions, but they just felt like they could not fulfill um, their roles or do uh, advocate for students in an environment that was not taking in their considerations or listening to their feedback. And in terms of the actual messaging from the resignation letters, what do you think that message is to the GW community? In the fact that these resignations did come from such prominent women in the essay, like Vice President for Campus Operations, Vice President for Academic Affairs, and the Assistant Vice President for Public Affairs. The fact that these women are resigning and other members of the essay are resigning as well, um, it's just going to be really hard for them to continue to advocate for students and to fill these vacancies because students are not going to want to um, work for a body that does not um, take their input and um, make them feel welcome in that essay environment. And lastly, I want to add, you mentioned the eroding legitimacy of the essay to some extent. You know, how do you see this situation potentially impacting overall student trust in the student association moving forward and even the willingness of students to want to be a part of it, even for future administrations? It's going to be a challenge for students to want to be a part of an organization or be a part of a branch that does not um, take into the consideration their feedback and that it's going to take some time for people to either regain their trust in the student association or to want to be involved in the body. And I think the question for the Senate is going to be, is this the type of leadership that we want? Is this the type of essay president that we want to have in the body? And that moving forward, it's just going to take some time and we won't really know how the positions are going to be filled. But EVP Brandon Hill has stated that the process will still be the same to elect students. They're not going to cut any corners as to who applies to be um, in an essay position. The process will still be the same. Um, but I do think that it's going to take some time. Great. McKenna, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Next up, to more fully flesh out the fallout from the sexual misconduct allegations, 
And what may come next for the essay is the Hatchet's editor-in-chief, Sarah Roach. All right, Sarah, thanks for being here. Of course, happy to be here. So at least a dozen essay cabinet members have left the essay since December, including several prominent women last week. Do we have any indication as of now that the prior resignations, which cite behavior on the part of President Brookings like creating a negligent and careless work environment, were in any way tied to the claims of sexual misconduct that arose against him on Friday night? Yeah, that's a great question, because as of right now, we don't know that any of the people who have resigned in the cabinet have done so because of the recent sexual misconduct claims. We know that there was somewhat of a careless work environment, quote unquote, um, in the cabinet um, due to, you know, Brookins' actions. Um, but we don't know the nature of those actions. We don't know the nature of those misconduct claims. And going back to your questions, we don't know that they're tied to sexual misconduct allegations that have been brought to light on Twitter the other day. So what we're seeing now is that a lot of cabinet members who have left are not talking about why. And they're submitting letters of resignation that are kind of vaguely saying, yeah, there has been a careless, negligent work environment, words they've used to describe what it's been like to work in the cabinet. But when we've reached out for comment, they have either not talked on the record about it or they haven't provided any details aside from what was in the resignation letter. And after that claim was posted on Friday night, the response from the community was extremely swift. Can you talk a little bit about that and what we've seen since then? Yeah. So ever since the allegation of sexual misconduct came to light on Twitter on Friday evening, there were three current cabinet members who came out with a statement calling on Brookins to resign. And that was the earliest letter of any calls for Brookins' resignation um, was that Friday. Since then, well into the night and into the next day, there were multiple letters from other student organizations across, you know, basically, I, I believe about a dozen student organizations or so, if not more, have called for Brookins to step down over the past kind of 48 hours. And most of them are citing um, the sexual misconduct allegations. Um, there are not many people citing what's been happening in the cabinet, but I think that that's because not a lot of people know what has actually happened in the cabinet. And as you mentioned, that the strong response and the situation has also brought about this kind of renewed support for survivors in the GW community, including from GW's Office of Advocacy and Support itself. Why do you think such a strong response from the community and specifically from an office of the university was so important in sending a message here? Yeah, well, I think what we've seen over the past year is that accountability is incredibly important, especially when it comes to holding a student leadership position. Over the summer, we saw a similar situation where about a dozen people have come forward with other allegations of sexual misconduct against a different student leader. And there was an equally as swift response from the GW community. And when it comes to holding a student leadership position, a lot of people are very inclined to hold those people accountable. And when it comes to somebody sharing their story, something so personal um, and something so sensitive, it is extremely triggering for some people to hear that story. And it's also kind of jarring for other student leaders to hear that, you know, their fellow peers um, have allegedly acted in a way that is not becoming of their role. So 
over the past year, you know, accountability has been a huge part of, you know, being in any student leadership position. Um, and I think student leaders are very willing to hold each other accountable um, when it comes to this sort of stuff. And speaking exactly to that, um, as mentioned at the top of the podcast, President Brookins has not yet resigned as of the recording of this podcast, which is on Sunday morning. So if he did resign, Executive Vice President Brandon Hill would be next in line for the position if he wanted it. Um, however, he told The Hatchet on Saturday that, quote, a lot of it depends on the sentiments of the student body in regard to if they want someone external for the role or if they think I'm the best person to preserve the integrity of the student association, end quote. So do we have any sense that Brandon wouldn't have the support of the student body, given the fact that he has also called for Brookins to resign? We actually have really no indication of whether students support him being a president, whether they don't. And in some recent conversations with uh, Brandon Hill, uh, he has said, you know, there's going to be a um, Student Association Senate meeting on Monday. And during that meeting, he can kind of gauge interest in kind of next steps for the body because the Senate could either censure Brookins, they could give Brookins a chance to resign on his own accord, which would include, you know, him taking accountability um, and sitting in on a Senate meeting and talking to them. Um, or they could initiate impeachment proceedings. And I think Brandon is really leaning on the Senate and their wishes and kind of coming to a decision on what to do next based on the conversations that will be had on Monday. And a more recent conversation with him, he said senators are exploring routes to hold Brookins accountable for his actions, possibly conducting an impeachment trial, possibly censoring him. Hill said that he also hopes during Monday's meeting that, you know, Brookins will show up at that meeting um, and talk to all of these allegations. But there's no indication that Brookins will do so. He has not responded to any requests for comment. Um so we're not entirely sure where Brookins' head is at. Great. Sarah, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Please continue to visit the Hatchet's website and our social media channels as we continue to report on this ongoing situation. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and is produced by Gwen Willard.